Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. Live in the dream. Live in God's dream. Genesis 37 through 50, the story of Joseph. In chapter 37, we heard about the infamous coat of many colors, Joseph's dream, the the jealous brothers, and Joseph getting sold off into slavery. Do you know what happens next? Maybe you're thinking, well, how about, isn't there something about a guy named Potiphar and Potiphar's wife? Yeah, that's chapter 39. What happens in chapter 38? Well, Joseph, doesn't he end up in prison? Yeah, he does. That's chapter 40. What happens in Genesis 38? Well, Joseph, doesn't he end up interpreting the dream of the Pharaoh and being put in charge of the land? Well, yeah, he does. We're going to get there. That's chapter 41. But what happens in chapter 38? What's left? You know what's in Genesis 38? Genesis 38 is one of the most overlooked chapters in the entire book of Genesis. For good reason. Begins with this. Verse 1. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hira. Judah. Judah. That's odd. These chapters, 37 through 50, they're all about Joseph. And yet Joseph, he's not mentioned even once in chapter 38. Chapter 38 is all about his brother, Judah. Why? I think Genesis 38 is in the Bible to show us something along the lines of this. Somebody looks guilty. You know why? Because somebody is guilty. That, that's this. That's Genesis 38. That's Judah. So let's symbolize that. Let's symbolize that today this way. So Judah was the fourth born son to Jacob. But in many ways, Judah was the leader of the brothers. When the whole selling Joseph into slavery thing went down, the oldest said this. Chapter 37, verse 22, Reuben says, Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and to take him back to his father. Reuben's plan, let Joseph go, but not Judah's. Judah's plan was this. He was the one who came up with verse 27. Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. Selling his own brother into slavery and convincing dad that Joseph was dead. Know who came up with that idea? Judah. Judah. That was Judah's idea. And we will see how that, well, that did this. Chapter 38, verse 1. 
At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hira. After the whole Joseph scandal, Judah left home to let the smoke clear, dust settle. While he was away, something happened. Verse 2, there Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He met a woman. He liked this woman. He made a decision to marry this woman. The date was set, but daddy Jacob wasn't happy. Not because he was going to end up footing any of the bills, but because, well, Judah's lady was a Canaanite. And God had already been clear to this family about Canaanites. Chapter 28, verse 1. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. We say, well, why? The issue here, it's not ethnicity. And the issue here, it isn't race. The issue here, it's spirituality. The Canaanites, this was a culture that believed in many gods. Well, Judah's family had been called by the one true God. You know, when it comes to marriage, God gives a whole lot of freedom. Just one, still one big guideline that God gives to the followers of Jesus when it comes to discerning who to marry, it's this, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. If you're single, know that. Remember that. God gives a lot of freedom in choosing who it is that you want to spend a lifetime with. One word of wisdom from God to you. He says, just make sure they're a follower of Jesus. They may look good. They may treat you really nice. They may even go to church. But make sure, are they a follower of Jesus? God calls you to discern that and to make a non-negotiable for entering into any kind of romantic relationship. Judah, well, he knew that. But Judah, he didn't do that. Verse 2. Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her. And doing that did this. Next verse. Verse 3. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son whose name was Ur. Ur. Really? Don't you read that and think, is that really the best name they could come up with? I read that and think, Ur doesn't sound like a kid's name. Sounds like a a noise somebody makes when they're upset. You know, Ur. Give that name to our boy. Well, verse 4, she conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. Onan, that's a little bit better than Ur. They're not done yet. Verse 5, she gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. Three boys. Anybody know what it's like to have three boys? If you have three boys in your house, you might as well go to the nearest grocery store, ask for a manager, give them your wallet and say, here, it's all yours. Take it now. Well, Judah, what we see, had three boys. Shortly after Ur got married, passage tells us tragedy struck. 
Ur died. Pain. Pain comes in many different shapes and sizes. But there is no pain quite like the pain of losing a child. Judah, he turns to God and he says, God, why? God, why? Why this? Where are you? God, what are you doing? Why is this happening to me? Could it be? Could it be because of me? Really bizarre thing happens next. Little background information. In the ancient world, women had very few income opportunities. Before marriage, they were financially dependent on dad. After marriage, on husband. So if husband died, father-in-law was obligated to provide another son for marriage so that they would have a financial safety net and an heir. That, that was standard common practice in the ancient world. Well, everybody knew that now that Ur died, Judah had this moral responsibility to provide for his widow, Tamar. Judah, he didn't do it. Well, he let his son, Onan, have sex with her. The sultry details, they're found right here in Genesis 38. Young years in the field, so I'm not going to read that to you, but you can go there on your own. Well, what happens? Onan ends up dying. And the next thing that happens is, well, I think it's the most scandalous story in the Bible. Check this out. Verse 11, Judah then said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, live as a widow in your father's household until my son Shelah grows up. Judah said that, but Judah, he didn't mean that. Judah didn't actually live that out. When son number three grows up, Judah, he never calls Tamar. Judah, he leaves her high and dry. He knows He knows that it's his duty. He knows that he's supposed to fulfill this moral responsibility, but he doesn't. Verse 12. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. Many years later, Judah's Canaanite wife dies. Well, Judah, he wants to get back in the game, find another woman. Genesis 38 shows us that Judah, he's not a Christian mingle kind of guy. He's more a Tinder kind of guy. (laughs) And in those days, Tinder was found in a city called Timnah. Well, his daughter-in-law, Tamar, hears about this. Listen to what she does. Verse 14. She took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Enname, which is on the road to Timnah. 
It's a little confusing. Here's what that means. She disguises herself as a prostitute, wears a veil so she can't be recognized, and Judah himself walks by and hires her as his prostitute. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Have I mentioned that yet? There's nothing quite like reading straight from the Word of God for Mother's Day. Wow, what a story. Well, Judah, it ends up he doesn't have the cash. So he offers to give her a goat from his flock for her services. Verse 17. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it, she asked. He said, what pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. The seal, cord, and staff are used as collateral until she gets the goat. Well, they have sex. Unbeknownst to him, she gets pregnant. He finds out later that his widowed daughter-in-law is pregnant. He has no clue who the father is, so it's up to him as the father-in-law to decide what to do with his promiscuous daughter-in-law. This was Judah's decision. Verse 24, Judah said, Bring her out and have her burned to death. What a hypocrite! He puts the death sentence on her. Brutal. Well, as they're about to light the match, she brings out the seal and the cord and the staff and says this, verse 25, I am pregnant by the man who owns these. Do you recognize these? Dad? Really fascinating thing here in this story. If we think this through. Remember, Judah, he, he was, well, he was the ringleader of the brothers when they sold Joseph off into slavery. And then he took the coat of many colors and he dipped it in the goat's blood in order to trick dad into thinking Joseph had been killed by the wild animals. Then he takes this coat of many colors, holds it up and says, do you recognize this? Dad? Wow. Same image, same language that Judah used to cover up his own betrayal was now being used on him. Pithy parallelism, poetic justice, convicting moment. I'll say this, this, this pack starting to get a little heavy. There's a word that we use to describe this kind of heaviness, and the word is this, guilt. Something along the lines of this. Have you ever felt that? I have. Want to know why? Sometimes we feel guilty. Sometimes we feel guilty because we are guilty. Sometimes people will say, well, just ignore it. Just 
move on. Just cover it up. Just overlook it. Don't talk about that. We don't want anyone to feel bad. Really? See, if you do wrong but never feel guilt, there's a word we have for that. The word we use for that is this, sociopath. Yes. We don't want people to do something wrong and then to feel really good. Sometimes we feel bad because we've done bad. That's not condemnation. That's conviction. That's the the Holy Spirit showing us our sin. And not not to punish us, but to motivate us to leave our sin and to get back, to get right with God. How about you? How's God speaking to you through this story? Do, do you have any of these? If you were to put a name on one of these, what would it be? You know, Places you've been, or maybe things you've done, or people that you've hurt, words that you've said, relationship that you've damaged, corners that have been cut, ways of the Lord that you've blown off. Don't just stick those things in your pack and move on, because that becomes a very burdensome and lonely way to do life. There is another way, a better way. Read this with me, 1 Peter 3.18. Join me. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the Spirit. See, when Jesus came to earth... He didn't just come and teach. He came and He willingly gave His life on the cross to do this. We don't have to do life with that. Taking that off feels so freeing. We don't have to go through life carrying and internalizing that baggage, taking that guilt everywhere we go. Jesus has a much better offer. John puts that this way in John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. He says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just. Read the rest of this with me and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to stop talking about this and give you an opportunity to actually do it. If you are carrying any baggage, if you're harboring any guilt, if there's any unconfessed sin that you are living living in, wherever you are, right Now, just share it with Him. Just between you and Him. He he promises He'll remove it. He'll, He'll bring freedom from that. 
His ask is just share it, be honest about it, name it, confess it. Let's take this moment and do that. Hear these words of God through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. And remembers your sins no more. When guilt comes knocking, reminding you of your past, don't pick it back up. Don't put it back on. Let it go. You have been forgiven. Jesus has you covered. God, He remembers your sin no more. One last brief thing in chapter 38. Genesis 37 through 50 is the story of Joseph. But chapter 38 doesn't even mention Joseph. Not even once. It's all about his brother, Judah. We say, well, that's odd. Odd. Why? Why is that in here? Why do we have a whole chapter on Judah? I think it's because of this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Recognize this? These are the first words in the New Testament. This is the story of Christmas. This is how it begins. This is the line. This is the genealogy of Jesus. And when you look close, this list of Jesus' ancestors, it's not the list that we would expect. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of more chapters in Genesis on Joseph than on Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. But Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah. Not what we expect. Right, Jesus' line doesn't go through our boy and hero, Joseph. The line of Jesus, rather, goes through his brother, Judah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, not Joseph, but Judah. Genesis 38, it's all about Judah. Naughty Judah. Judah messed up. Judah had a whole lot of baggage, but God, God didn't discard him. God didn't discount him. God didn't give up on him. God worked through him. God worked through him. That guy. You ever felt not good enough? Read Genesis 38. You ever felt not worthy enough? Read Genesis 38. I got spiritual deficiencies. I got moral failures. I got fears. I got insecurities. I got inadequacies. So did Judah. It's not too late. Just make a commitment to, to leave 
your timna, whatever that is, and commit to following the ways and the teachings of Jesus. Invite the Holy Spirit to do a work in you and to do a work through you. If God only worked through perfect people, who would He use? If God only loved lovable people, who would He love? See, God, He works through broken people. That's His specialty. People who say, I've had it with my way. I'm going to trust. I'm going to follow Jesus' way. That could be you. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. And also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.